We've sung about it. We have heard God's word about it. And to that word we direct our attention as you last heard read from the book of Acts as we continue to explore the Acts of the Apostles, which can be surnamed the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Let's do that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You heard the reading from the book of Acts, and you need to understand, this is the longest narrative in this entire book about the unfolding of the Christian church. It is longer than Acts chapter 2 that spoke about Pentecost, how God united people through languages spoken each in their own tongue. Longer than what Stephen's story was about how he gave witness to his faith and ultimately was stoned to death. Longer than what we talked about last weekend, who was Saul, struck down on the road to Damascus and turned to Jesus Christ. The long story that you just heard. So, what, you expect a long sermon this morning? Or a longer sermon? Well, I'm not sure what you expect, but what this is all about is that it's even longer narrative than what you've heard because if the story would continue to its end it goes through chapter 11 but we can put all this together but the main point is with its length that this is very very important this being the encounter between Cornelius and the apostle Peter it is about breaking barriers what we heard in the two readings before this particular reading, the book of Acts. There was the Roman soldier. He was a centurion. He was in charge of a hundred different soldiers. And there was Peter, the disciple of Jesus, the Jewish man who was becoming the head of the Christian church in its infancy. It was about Cornelius, a man who was before God and before that apostle. It was a double vision, literally. Now, when we think of double vision, you think of something like this. And it seems fuzzy, it seems blurry, it doesn't seem clear. But there were two visions, one to each of these two individuals, to make things very clear, very, very, and to us, who read about this and think about this today. There was Cornelius, a Roman soldier, a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, to be sure. But he was a God-fearing man. He literally was on the brink of converting to the Jewish faith. There are three distinctive things about the Jewish faith, and any Jew can tell then and now. It was the giving of alms, it was prayer, and it was fasting. And Cornelius had done the two of the three. He was well on his way, fearing God and working toward becoming a part of the Jewish faith. And then it happened. Out of the blue, apparently, he saw a vision. And the vision was brief, and the message was pointed go fetch Peter. Whether he knew Peter or not is hard to tell. 
and there was no reason given Cornelius why Peter. But right away, he obeyed. Right away, Cornelius sent a couple of his servants to go and find Peter in Joppa, some 30 miles away. And then there was the next day, vision number two that Peter had, the one we read about. About noon that following day, Peter went to the rooftop to begin his prayers, part of those three aspects of his faith. And while he was praying, he got hungry. He got hungry about noon of the day, and so some food was prepared for him. But even beyond that, he saw a vision. He saw a vision that you can see on the screen, uh, a vision that was interesting to him. It was a sheet down from heaven, full of different animals and also some reptiles. And he heard a voice that said, get up, kill, and eat. And if you understand the Jewish faith, those animals were not to be eaten. It was part of the law of God recorded in Leviticus chapter 11 that set his people apart, even by diet, so that they would know, remember, that they were chosen by God and different from everybody else, just like we're called to be different today. Not so much by diet, but by other things. But Peter, when he saw that and heard that, he objected and said, Lord, I can't eat those animals. They are unclean by your own law. But then the voice of God said, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. And that didn't happen just once. It happened three times. And you know, if something happens three times and the direction is threefold, you know it's important. You know it's very important. This would be what I would call a divine appointment. Have you ever heard that language, that phrase before? A divine appointment is when God arranges something, brings people together for a very specific purpose. Not accidental, not out of the blue, but for a very special reason. Cornelius, no questions asked for Peter. Peter, without any questions, went to Cornelius's house. Both acting directly and quickly, Cornelius was waiting for Peter with friends and relatives, a, a bigger group. And obviously, he realized that something important was going to happen. And so did Peter as he went there. But Peter said, you know, there's a problem here. I'm a Jew, and you are not. You're a Gentile, a non-Jew. And you know, we're not supposed to mix. We're separate. But he understood slowly but surely that the problem was to disappear. Cornelius explained his vision and Peter, his, he began to understand that God was bringing together two different kinds of people that had been separated one from the other. And the point, the point was clear. Jesus is for everyone. No barriers, no distinctions. Whatever there were, they've come together. They've disappeared in Jesus 
God has broken down the dividing walls. That's what Pentecost was all about. This, you could say, was the Gentile Pentecost, the second one, where the point was driven home. With all those languages on Pentecost, the message of Jesus was received to bring them together. And if it still was being processed by Christians, it is again brought home very clearly that God is bringing people together, Gentile as well as Jew. You know what that means? We are in. We are part, we are recipients of God's love too. We Gentiles. God chose his people, the Jews in Old Testament time, to be a blessing. But he didn't choose them because they were better. He didn't choose them only because his Messiah would come only for them. But to be a blessing, to share the news. It it started long ago, hinted at here, there, and everywhere, but they missed it. And the Christian church hadn't begun to fathom it yet through Pentecost and the things that followed. But here with Cornelius and with Peter, it's abundantly clear for everybody. God doesn't limit his love to races, to nationalities, to certain kinds of people. And you know, the picture of heaven, well, you read the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and Jesus, after this I looked, and there before me, I'm sorry, this is John, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That is Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All those people for whom Jesus lived and died. Yet, what do we do? We hear that, we understand it, and yet we create barriers. We throw up walls over and over and over again. This had to do with walls in the Christian church. And we Christians find ways to erect those walls still today. To begin to limit thereby who God is for. What comes to mind as we Christians do that? Well, individually, we sometimes separate little sinners like us from the big sinners And it carries over not only in language and in thought, but to separate ourselves from other Christians in that way. But we find other ways as well. There's something called the homogeneous principle. Have you ever heard that before? It has to do with culture and society, but also within the church. And that is that, well, let's say, birds of a feather flock together. In other words, we get together with people who are similar to us who have a lot of things in common. That's a natural human tendency. It just is. But when we use that to create walls of separation and no longer welcome others into our midst, then it is the kind of wall that is an expression of sin. Whether it's Christian to Christian of different faiths, different denominations, not faith, different denominations, different traditions, different practices, different understandings, that's a barrier that the Holy Spirit would break. Not that we forsake tradition, that's fine, 
as far as it goes. Not that we would forsake going to the scriptures, believing them and teaching them and understanding them correctly. Yes, that. But building walls that separate us as children of God, no, not at all. This breaking of barriers is important in the Christian church because that's what Cornelius and Peter were all about. But is it true also for us in society at large? Well, we certainly erect, we certainly erect barriers that would divide us from other people in all sorts of wavelengths, all sorts of incidents. And you know, many of those barriers are man-made. They're ones we create to separate ourselves, perhaps to say, if not out loud, we're better than you are. We're different, but we're better. And that begins to be the kind of barrier that is sinful. The Holy Spirit is the one who works to break down those walls, especially among God's people, us Christians. God never intended barriers we created the barriers. Pastor Sean mentioned to the kids a few moments ago, in the beginning, God created everything, and everything was in harmony. Adam and Eve and God all together. And then there was that barrier of transgression, of stepping over God's line. And Adam and Eve created the barrier between them and God, the, the barrier of sin, of disobedience, of thinking that they were better than God and they knew best. And that barrier extended between the man and the woman. This woman you gave me, Adam said. And among all people, that, that those barriers existed. But God's love was to break those barriers. While Old Testament people put up barriers between them as chosen people, that's not what God intended. He intended them, told them to be a blessing to others with the blessing he had given them. And thank God that we Gentiles have received the love of God in Jesus. It was alluded to many times in the Old Testament. It was very clear in Jesus' ministry and here between these two men. It doesn't mean that we give up our Christian faith. It doesn't mean that we equate it with every other belief in the universe. But what it means is that there are no barriers among us as Christians, and we best look at the other barriers that are up, because God is one to bring people together, and it's the Holy Spirit's job. A couple passages of Scripture make that very clear. Look at this on the screen, and, and read with me from Ephesians 2. Let's read. For he himself is our peace, Jesus who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Another passage very clearly says, read it with me. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Speaking to the church, those who follow Christ. That's where our oneness is in Jesus Christ. That's fundamental. That's the bottom line. That's where we start. So then we should recognize. So then we can recognize that the barriers have been broken. A lot of barriers. 
have been broken throughout human history. When I think in that realm, I first thought of Roger Bannister. Speaking of the Olympics, 1952, he was the first man to run a sub four minute mile. I think of breaking barriers, I think of Sally Ride, the first American woman astronaut. And I think of Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice. And I think of Jesus. I think of Jesus who broke the barrier of sin. Those things that separate us from God, a, a power that's natural and within us, and it is expressed so many ways. Jesus broke it as he paid for all of that and opened up the way to God. So as we believe, it was clear in his ministry. It was given an exclamation point at his death and resurrection. And it became clearer still as the Christian church began to unfold. And breaking barriers, you break barriers. And so do I, by the power and direction of the Holy Spirit, here among us and elsewhere to be sure. Our challenge, our challenge is to see the Holy Spirit at work, how he was with Jesus, how he is today, his rescue, his love for all, to recognize that reality the wall and the breaking of the wall, to rejoice in it, that we are beneficiaries as well, and then for us to act, to act in that reality. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. <laughs>